Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Bunter Radio. This is episode number 57. Trey Hannity, Marty Leap with you. We're missing Nick Caparoso this week, but we bring in Noah Wright to join the crew. Noah, thanks for coming on with us. You've been a regular now. It's it's good to see you back here on the show. we got a lot to cover tonight. The Pirates playing some better baseball. After a bit of a slump, they've turned it around. We're going to talk about this St. Louis series, them taking three out of four there. Max Kranich, his unbelievable debut in that start as well. Some trade talks, some all-star voting talks as well. And we will talk about the minor leaguers, as we like to do on this show. But guys, how you doing, Noah? How you, how you been since the last time we saw you? I'm doing good. I'm I'm happy to be back. I always enjoy coming on to the podcast, so it's good to be back to talk more about the Pirates. Yeah. Marty, how's uh, your last week been? Oh, not too bad. You know, usual stuff, working, coaching my kids' baseball team. We're getting ready to start the playoffs next week, so that's nothing too out of the ordinary. Playoffs. I love to hear it. Hopefully a smooth clinch for them, and uh, best of <laughs> luck with that run, but... Yeah, guys, another good week here. Let's talk about the St. Louis series to start it. The Pirates get three out of four. We see Will Crow get his first win. I want to focus on that uh, to start it. Let's talk about the start in general and you know how much confidence that gives him finally getting that win after a couple months into the season. Marty, you want to get us started there? Yeah, I mean, it was good to see Will Crow get a win. I mean, it was his first Major League W, and he's not you know, some grizzled veteran or anything like that by any means, but – He's got enough time under his belt that, you know, it's good to see him get the W. It's not – he has definitely struggled at times this year. But you still feel good for a guy whenever you can get that first win, and hopefully they can help build some confidence. I mean, yes, it wasn't the best of starts from him. What, five innings, give up four or five runs, something like that. But you got to start somewhere. So hopefully that can be a bit of a uh, launching off pad for Will Crow the rest of the season, and maybe we can see him kind of get things turned around a little bit. Yeah, I really want to see Crow develop into that kind of back-end starter, a guy that can go out and give us five, six innings at a time. You know, obviously he's not going to be an eight. I don't think he's going to be an ace or anything, but just be a solid starter. And hopefully, like you said, Marty, that this is – that this getting him getting this win helps him build up some more confidence, comes out to next time, and he's more effective. You know, maybe we can see him start to slowly build up a workload and just become better throughout the season. And this could be a good starting point for him. Yeah, it certainly could be. I mean, it's just good to see him get that win. Like you said, it hasn't been too long into his career now, but finally gets the W there. We saw an unbelievable defensive play from Cabrian Hayes. We're getting used to that. We see it, uh, uh, you know, more and more every week now. But, guys, how was that play even possible? I mean, the dude was about 10 steps in foul territory, throwing across his body. I mean, this was, I think, to this point, we got to say the best defensive play to, in, in his career. Absolutely. I think that that's, I don't think that was something that you'd see, think of something like someone in the major leagues now, like Nolan Arenado would make, or even thinking back even further, like a Brooks Robinson level play or, you know, something like Andrelton Simmons or Ozzy Smith. And I, I mean, obviously Hayes coming up, his biggest and best tool was his fielding and, and you know, he's showing it now. So I think it's good to see him being able to translate that from the minors to the majors, but also, 
it really helps a pirate defense that really hasn't had a good defensive third baseman in quite quite a long while. Yeah, I mean that was on honestly, and I don't even think it's hyperbole to say this. That was one of the best plays I have ever seen. Yeah, um, it was just incredible the amount of ground he covered to even get to that ball. Throws off balance. Looked like he couldn't put anything on a throw, and he still got it there and got Molina out. Um, definitely a play of the year type type potential for all major league baseball. And like I said, honestly, that's one of the best plays that you're ever going to see anybody make, especially third baseman. It's just, you know, like you said, no, when Hayes was coming up through the minors, we heard so much about his potential to be a perennial gold glover over there at third base. And he's done nothing but not just meet, but exceed those expectations through his early MLB career here. And it's great to see, like you said, it's been a long time since the Pirates have had a reliable defensive third baseman. You know, you got to go. Last time I could think of the Pirates had someone who played third base regularly and was reliable over there defensively was probably whenever you had David Freeze. So, you know, it's been a few years and, and Freeze and Hayes are two totally different players offensively. But it's definitely great to have that player who was hyped as his potential building block as you know, the next superstar, next face of the franchise who thus far has met every expectation and has exceeded every expectation. Yeah. You guys didn't enjoy uh, watching Pedro Alvarez play third base back in the day? <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed watching Pedro Alvarez at 40 bombs a year, but his defense was a little... A little- Watching Pedro, watching Pedro Alvarez for a while, any throw by any pirate third baseman made me hold my breath for a while. But now that we have Hayes, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you got gun shy. You really did. Yeah, it was uh, it was a mess with Pedro Alvarez. Bit of a different player here, and like you said, no, he was supposed to, you know, be not a defensive specialist, but we weren't certainly supposed to see the hitting at this level at the big league level at least um he's been everything and more so far for the pirates it's good to see plays like this get around i mean this got everybody talking and for this season for really last season too we've seen all you know the other plays for all the wrong reasons go uh nationwide the the hayes missing first play good to see him turn it around here um you know and the pirates get some positive headlines the real story of the weekend the true positive headline max Cranick making his major league debut uh, and and just a dominant effort, as perfect as you can be. Perfect uh, through his start, a rain delay, obviously ending that. Would have been interesting to see how far he went, how far they would have let him go. Uh, but guys, your thoughts on this start and the potential of Max Kranick? I mean, it couldn't have been any better than it was. Uh, the first, the biggest takeaway I had from it, obviously, it was a perfect. Obviously, he's pitching five perfect, five perfect innings. So he was going to have a low pitch count, but he only needed fifty pitches to get through five innings. I mean, he's almost th- he was on average throwing almost an immaculate inning for five straight innings, and that's really really hard, especially in today in with baseball today with how many players are drawing, how essentially the three true outcome with home runs, strikeouts, and walks are so pre- prevalent. So seeing a guy, so seeing him be able to mow through batters, but also about doing it efficiently and keeping his pitch count. You know, he was on pace for a Maddox. Keep it. He was on pace for almost a Maddox if he kept up the. Ran the pitches he's thrown per inning, throwing less than 100 pitches in in a complete game. So that was pretty impressive. That was what I found really impressive, how efficient he was through it. Yeah, the efficiency was great to see. And, you know, one thing I really liked out of Kranich was he was aggressive. He looked confident. Um, I'm sure the Pirates getting him that early lead definitely helped. Um, they did send the telecast. It was the first time since Paul Mahalam, and it was either 2004 2005 that a Pirates pitcher made their major league uh, hitting debut before their pitching debut. But, you know, he just – he looked confident. 
He trusted his stuff. I mean, Kranich's got a good fastball. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe it averaged somewhere around 94.8, 94.9 miles per hour on Sunday. Um, his slider looked really, really good. Uh, Kranich is a pitcher who the Pirates protected from the Rule 5 draft this past offseason for a reason. And I think that, you know, this is just the beginning of scratching that surface for Kranich. I think he's got the potential to be a pretty quality, you know, middle of the rotation arm for a major league rotation. And we're starting to see that from him. He's pitched well in the minors and now, you know, through one MLB start, obviously things could not have gone much better. Um, well, one thing though, with the, with the rain, I will say that rain did Derek Shelton a big favor because Granick had not gone more than five and two thirds in a single <laughs> inning this year or a single had not gone more than five and two thirds innings, excuse me, in a single start this year. So you combine that with it being his first MLB start and, you know, them coming off of last year and looking to protect pitch young arms a little bit, you know, he would have gone back out there to start the sixth. But even with that pitch count, I'm not sure Shelton was going to let him go much deeper. So that rain really did bail Shelton out a little bit there because he, he was going to have to make a very difficult, very unpopular opinion that as much as I have ragged on Derek Shelton for his managing the pitching staff, pulling Kranich probably would have been the right move but it would not have been an easy one to make. Yeah. And I, I'm like, you're saying like this guy, he really kind of reminds me of a JT brew Baker type arm, a guy that you can rely on every five days to give you five, six really solid innings to, and just be that reliable middle of the middle rotation starter. And I think that's, I think that yesterday or when he last pitched was just a preview of what we're going to see in the just a slight preview of what we're going to see in the future. Obviously I don't think he's going to be perfect out every time, but just to be a quality arm for the pirates for who knows how long. Yeah. I really like that brew breaker comparisons. I think those are two guys, you know, you're never going to, no one's ever going to sit there and say, man, JT brew baker, Max Kranick. Those are the guys that can anchor your rotation. But it, you know, if you want to be a good club, if you want to be a club competing for postseason, you got to have your JT Brubakers and your Max Cranics. You know, yeah. You go back to the 13, 14, 15 clubs, even that 2018 club that finished over 500. There were a lot of pitchers. Yes, 13 through 15, you had Burnett, you had Lariano, you had Cole. But a big reason that was about won, it. Yeah, but a big reason they won games was their Jeff Locks, Charlie Morton. Vance Worley, you know, those middle of the rotation yeah. arms who you know we're going to go out there and give you five or six quality innings. So, you know, you, you have to have those if you're going to be a good club. And well the, well, the aces are still coming, the Pirates appear to have two very quality middle of the rotation arm, young arms on this roster yeah. now, and Brew Baker and Kranich. You can't rely on your just your aces to get you through the entire season. Exactly. No, and then, you know, the way that this rebuild has been set up, there's so many arms in the system that, that could be your aces one day. There's the Eddie Eanes, the Ronzi Contreras, and they're coming. Uh, and Kranich, you know, arriving in the big leagues. We've seen Yahoo Ray get up this season as well, and it really segues us into a fun conversation on what the future of this rotation is going to look like. I mean, this team has been rebuilding with position players in mind, of course, but has certainly centered it around pitching, especially with that draft last year. So we talk about a projected starting rotation for 2024. When this team really looks to be competitive, what do you guys see? Who's your ace and who's the one through five on it? You know, projecting on the road, I, I think, to me, I still think the future ace is Quinn Priester. Um, there are very few pitching prospects in baseball with the makeup, with the stuff of of Priester, I still think he kind of proves to be the guy. But man, there's a lot of really good options there 
you know, Carmen Majinski is a guy with the way he's shooting up right now in the minors being a college arm, it might not be out of the round possibility to see Majinski pitching for the pirates at some point late next season, definitely by early 2023, you know, Ronzi Contreras, obviously in this discussion, he he's been as dominant as anyone in the system this year. And be, and this is where the depth that Ben Charrington has assembled is so great because you think of those three, but then it's like, you know, Brubaker's still here. Kranich is still here. Miguel Ure is still going to be early in his career. You know, Tanash Thomas, Jared Jones, Brennan Malone. There's just so many quality arms. And, you know, it, one of the nice things about that is not all of them are going to hit. So you kind of have that fallback for the guys who don't hit. And at the same time, that could give you some good trade chips two, three years down the road when you are looking to supplement a potential postseason roster for in-season trades, whatever it might be. You, you're going to have some good chips there. But I, I do think, you know, by end of 2023, going into 2024, you're probably looking at something like Quinn Priester, Carmen Majinski, Rowanzi Contreras, Miguel Ure, JT Brubaker, Max Kranick, some sort of combination there. You know, you, you still have your Tanash Thomases, those guys in the picture. There's just a ton of pitching depth, which is great to see. Yeah, I agree with that. That it's just, that I think it's the deepest part of the Pirates system is just having all this great pitching. And you, I, and like you said, and I also agree that Quinn Priest here is going to be this team's future ace. But I love Brendan Malone. He has Fangraph sees him with three above average pitches and a fourth average pitch with okay command. I I also like that. I also like Miguel Yahire because he also has a similar thing with uh five four above average pitch four average or better pitches and above average command. You know Contreras is fine, looking like he could be like a number two starter. And aside from that, you're just talking about so many other guys like. Majinski, uh, Jones, Yeen, and are we've already seen the majors Brubaker and <clears throat> Brubaker and Kranich that we were talking about earlier. But you know what happens if you know Will Crow comes back, comes out, and starts to prove that he can be something like a Kranich or Brubaker, just kind of a solid back of the rotation arm. You know, you're just thinking you just see so much more pitching coming up through the system. And then what and we'll probably I know we're gonna talk about it later, but with like the draft and trades and everything, just thinking of how much more there could be. Yeah, it's gonna change. I mean, that's the thing. What we see now could change a lot, but the depth and the amount of guys that they've brought in, it's been so fun to watch. And hey, who knows who they take in this uh in this first year player draft? Could be Jack Leiter. I don't know. We'll see. It's looking more and more like it's not going to be. We're going to save our next mock draft for probably a couple shows down the road. We had our mock draft 2.0 on the last episode. If you guys didn't have the chance to check that out, go take a look. It was a lot of fun to do that. But let's project some trades here, gentlemen. Let's talk about what's going to happen to Adam Frazier. We talk about it a lot on here, but it's ever-changing as we get closer to this deadline. His all-star voting campaign ramping up as well. Do you guys believe he's going to be the starter there at second base? We'll start with that, and then we can get into the trade talks here in a second. But the race is on. Ozzy Albies, I, I saw, was in second base. Obviously, Adam Frazier has done more than enough to earn this. Uh, but do you guys think he's going to end up getting the all-star vote? Of course, this one's a bit more subjective than the awards and everything else. I really want to see Adam Frazier start at second base because, you know, obviously, aside from being a Pirate fan, just kind of and just kind of show that we got an unpopular player over a popular player. Because let's be honest, we all know all-star voting comes down to popularity. You know, that's how how, how did the Chicago Cubs in 2016 get an entire, their entire infield onto the 
as their starting as the starting all-star infield when there was a lot better players that could start at shortstop or second base. It's because they were popular. So it'd be nice just not just to see Frazier as a pirate, just to see him starting as a pirate from a Pirates fan perspective, but also seeing it as like, you know, we got that player there, even though we, he was on the most popular team at the most, or, you know, the Pirates were very good. So they were less popular. So it'd be nice to give him that boost to just show that we got him there. Yeah. That's something John Wayner was talking about on the telecast before the start of tonight's game. You know, like you said, one of the cool things with Frazier, if he does get voted as a starter, which is looking very possible, if not likely is, that you know, it's not just pirate fans voting for him, which is cool to see. It's cool to see other fans around baseball really taking yeah. notice of the season that Frazier's having. And you know, he's very deserving of it without a doubt. I mean, the Pirates most likely are only going to get one all star this year, especially if Frazier's voted in as a starter, which is kind of unfortunate because Brian Reynolds is having an absolutely yeah. just ridiculous season. But it would be really cool to see Frazier start in the all star game and you know it would give the pirates a starter and I'd, I'd have to do some digging because I'm sure it's been a while since this happened. This would give the pirates a starter and back-to-back all-star games. Cause there wasn't one last year. And if you remember in 2019, Josh Bell was a national league's designated hitter in Cleveland. So I, I don't know the last time the pirates had a starter and back-to-back all-star games, but it'd be pretty cool to have that happen as well. And like I said, in addition to the fact that Frazier has definitely earned it and it is neat to see fans around baseball take notice of the season he's had and vote for him. Oh yeah. And you know, I don't think it plays into it at all. We talked about this a little bit before the show, but if he's an all-star starter, maybe that's just that extra factor subconsciously for these GMs, if nothing else, to think, okay, you know what? He did make the all-star game. He started a trade. And as we kind of talk about the trade uh, of Adam Frazier, if it happens at all, who do you guys see it being at this point? We saw a projection this week, um, you know, maybe with DC even, and there's a lot of teams that need a guy like Adam Frazier in their system to add depth, if nothing else. But where do you guys see him going, and who do you see in return if he's even traded at all at this point? I mean, I definitely think he's going to be traded. He has entirely too much trade value right now. I mean, Frazier's always been a good hitter, but this season he's having is just head and shoulders above any season he's ever had before. His value would never be higher. He's a free agent after next season. He's not going to be part of the next Pirate winning team. Um, with Nick Gonzalez, Lavero Paguero, Juan Bay, most likely Marcelo Mayer or Jordan Lawler here in another month. There's so much middle infield depth coming to the Myers that you're probably not going to look to extend Frazier either. So I'll be stunned if he's not moved. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that make sense for him. Like you said, the Nationals could if they decide to buy. I, I still, I've said since December that the Chicago White Sox are a perfect fit for Adam Frazier. And nothing has happened since then other than the White Sox suffer a bunch of injuries that make him even better of a fit for them. Um, I know from speaking with some some people around the league that I know uh, that Pirates have been scouting the Giants and the, and the Braves Marion Lake systems pretty heavily. That might not necessarily be due to Adam Frazier, especially with Atlanta. But, you know, with the Giants, there's definitely be a fit there for Frazier. So, you know, there's a lot of teams I think Frazier fits on. The Yankees, another team, make a ton of sense. The, the, the Mets make a ton of sense. Um I think he'll be moved. Uh, as for the return, I'll be curious because there are – with Frazier for as good of a season as he is having with hitting the ball, there are definitely still some concerns there if you're if you're a GM looking to acquire him. Um, like I said, this has been far and away the best season of Frazier's career. So you always kind of get a little concerned when you have that bit of an outlier type of season. 
you know, and he, even his hit rates, his his hard hit rate of 28.7% is below the league average. His average exit velocity of 86 miles an hour is below the league average. He's only got a 1% barrel rate. So he's not exactly stinging the ball either. But I think if you're the Pirates, if you, if you can net two or three guys who slot in as like top 15-ish prospects in your system, you're probably pretty happy about that. And I think one thing to keep in mind there as well is the Pirate Farm system has become one of the best in baseball. So being a top 15, 16, 17 prospect in a Pirate Farm system is going to put you higher than that in a lot of farm systems. Yeah, with Frazier, like you said, with Frazier, that his I think when you look at a much bunch of more underlying numbers, he's not as good as he's been. I mean, you look at his DRC plus, he it's only one seventeen. When like his WRC plus is like in the one thirties, closer to one forty. But I, I still think the Pirates are going to be able to get a decent return for him. And you named a bunch of teams, and you know Frazier's kind of that guy that you can slot him on every team, and he'd probably still find a way to get a decent amount of playing time and still be a productive hitter. Like the Red Sox could use him. You already said the White Sox. You could also throw like. You can also throw Oakland. You could, th- you know, we were talking about San Francisco. It's really any team could could theoretically put him on their squad and make it, and he gets regular playing time, becomes a really good member of their re- <clears throat> really valuable member for their team. You're saying the Giants, and I really have been thinking for a while that the Giants are a almost perfect fit for Frazier because Donovan Solano has been doing so so. He's been about league average this year. So as court has a so as Alex Dickerson, he's been about he's been kind of league average issue this year, and obviously, while well, that doesn't mean they're unproductive, getting a they obviously want maybe another boost to their lineup, especially considering that the National League West is so competitive with the Dodgers and the Padres that the Giants with the season they're having probably want to try and stay ahead of them as much as possible, and adding Frazier and. I also thought Richard Rodriguez would make a good fit for them, given some of their bullpen struggles this year. Given that their situation, I think the Pirates and the Giants would make a good trade, would be good trade partners for each other right now. Yeah. I like the sound of that. Um, you know, all those teams really would be great partners. I've always liked the White Sox too, Marty. And I brought up the Nationals because we saw, and we even talked about it in our group message this week, Kate Cavalli, their top prospect brought up, uh, you know, Ben Sherrington, Throughout all of these deals he's made with the Pirates, you look at him, he hasn't budged at all. He's gotten the max return he could have in bulk, um, you know, or whether it was talent-wise. He's gotten the max amount of return for these guys. I don't see a, a Cade Cavalli type of trade going down, to be honest. I don't think the Nationals are going to give up a guy like that. Ben Sherrington obviously thinks about him. Sorry, it might be loading. There it is. Thinks about him, Frazier, at this time as, you know, a guy that deserves some return like that. Do we see Ben Sherrington settle? this go around and you know is that even the right word do we see him maybe not go get a guy that we would see him get in some of these other deals in the past um you know settle to an extent here on this one i mean i do think ben Sherrington could have traded adam frazier last summer he had offers on the table for him and held out he had offers in the offseason and held out and it's paying off because Frazier's come out and the season he's had. Now that said, I don't think Sherrington's going to move him for a package he doesn't like. I also don't know if he'll hold out waiting for that quote-unquote perfect package this time either because Adam Frazier, like I said, his trade value is never going to be higher. 
and he hits free agency after next season. So if you move a guy with one and a half years of control, you're going to get a lot more than you can get for that one year of control. So I, I do, I don't know if you want to consider that settling per se, but I do think he'd be willing to move Frazier for a package that he likes, maybe doesn't love where in the past he was looking for that package that he loved. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, that at this point that he might just try and yes, I still think that he's going to get as best of a return as he possibly can. He's not going to just trade Frazier to trade Frazier. He's going to get back what he thinks is still fair value for him. And, but yeah, I still, at this point that I think that he'll, he'll try and get, he'll try and get a package that he might like, but not necessarily be the best package that he could have possibly thought he would have gotten. But I see, but again, we've seen with all the other trades, he's not going to settle for something lower than what he, what the player's value is. So at least that, I think that'll happen. Yeah. I think that's the right way to phrase it. Not settle, but you know, maybe get a package you, you like, you don't love because the, the, the clock is now ticking on you. Whereas in the past, you had a little bit more time to, to wait and really try to get that max return. We're going to see how that ends up. It's going to be a really fun player to follow as these trade talks continue to heat up. Richard Rodriguez as well. We'll probably wait and touch on that for a week from now. We hit on him last week a good bit. Uh, but next, guys, I want to talk about an article you had, Noah, on what this minor league system is going to look like in the future. Obviously, it's loaded down right now. But at the end of the season, it's going to look a little bit different. We're going to see some guys called up. We're going to see some guys optioned and sent down as well. You had the article on it. What was your projection for what it looks like at the end of the year? And how does it shift in between now and then? I think... I mean, going into this year, I already thought that this farm system was one of the deepest in all of baseball. I mean, I think Fangraphs had it ranked among the top five before <clears throat> top five at the very end of 2020. And that was before we traded Musgrove and Bell and Tyone and got back a whole bunch of new prospects. So you're looking at you're still looking at one of the deepest farm systems in baseball. And then you see that, oh, we have the number one pick and we're we are also going to trade Adam Frazier and Richard Rodriguez. You know, I was looking at I think all all of the Detroit Tigers picks last year who they had the number one pick are Fangraphs currently ranked among their best prospects. So and also a, a lot of the Baltimore Orioles who had the 2019 first round pick, a lot of their early round picks are within Fangraphs also ranks among their best prospects. So I think you're, I, I said, I, I said at the end that it could easily, this could easily slingshot the Pirates farm system as just not one of the best, but the best among all 30 teams by a good margin, even over like the Tampa Bay Rays or the Los Angeles Dodgers, who we know have really good farm systems. But I also said that, you know, you're looking at possibly upwards of 10 to 12 new guys that, if they again, if they go for a little more quantity over quality trades like they have with Bell, Musgrove, and Tyone, that you're looking at a lot of new prospects. I think it could be even even more than what we got over this offseason. Uh, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's it would be crazy if they could bring in 10 to 12 guys. Um, but you know, it's possible. We've seen it already with Josh Bell. That was just two there, but with Joe Musgrove, you know, that's five. Jameson Tyone. Another four. Um, ben Sherrington knows how to get the bulk in these trades. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, gentlemen, uh, sorry, I was there was one more I was going to think of. But I think we're probably good here. You guys want to talk about anything else on this episode or start yeah. to close on it? I think we're good. I'm good. Yeah, this is a good one. We can keep it a little under 30 this time. Um, but, yeah, Noah, your final thoughts before we get out of here. It's been great having you on again. 
Yeah, it was a great coming back on. I'm really, <clears throat> I'm really excited to see what happens within the next, <clears throat> within the next month or so, because I think this next month is really going to be pivotal to the Pirates' future. Because this could be, like I said earlier, the biggest influx of new prospects and young talent the Pirates are going to have in a very long time, even bigger than over this offseason with the Rule 5 draft, international signings, and trading a bunch of veteran players that I think that this will be just as big, if not bigger. And I, like I said, it's going to be really pivotal and it's going to really give the Pirates a even brighter future than I think they already have. Yeah, it is a it is a bright looking future here as this minor league system continues to bolster up and we get closer to draft. That's going to be really important for the Pirates. Marty, your final thoughts before we get out of here this episode. You know, I agree with Noah that this next month is going to be really important. You know, like you said, the number one pick in the draft. You have a chance to add some super elite talent for the farm system to the draft. You're going to be busy at the trade deadline. Um, I, I think it's possible you can see the Pirates make five, six, seven trades, you know, or maybe not that many trades, but those many guys get moved. I mean, there could be trades where multiple guys are moved. But this is kind of the this, and then somewhat into the offseason, you know, it's kind of the final steps Ben Charrington needs to take in finishing rebuilding this thing. And then you kind of get to the point where it's like, all right, the pieces are there. It's just a matter of developing these guys and waiting for them to get to the majors. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, too. Once you get past the draft, once you get past the deadline, you know, Adam Frazier's move, Richard Rodriguez's move, probably see some of these other bullpen arms move. Maybe we see someone like a Chad Cole moved. And you can really kind of get a, a full view of this farm system that Charrington has assembled and you can sit back and, like I said, it's just a matter of kind of, all right, the pieces are there. It's now in the Pirates' hands to develop them and make it work when they get here. Yeah, well said. It's going to be a lot of fun to break all that down and, you know, take it in as it comes. And as that information breaks, we're going to be on here, Run Bunch Radio, have breaking episodes when this Adam Frazier deal goes down, if it does happen before the deadline. I'll have a special for that deadline as well. Special for our draft, as always, and our regular episodes. Two weeks from now, we're going to do our Mock Draft 3.0. Talk about who that number one pick is going to be and project the rest of the draft as well. But until then, guys, you can find the rest of our episodes, as always, on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can go to fansided.com slash rumbuncher. Check out the rest of the articles there. Noah's article on what that farm system is going to look like at the end of the year and all kinds of content right now on these Pittsburgh Pirates that have begun to turn it around here, gentlemen. It's not We're not going to call it a comeback. It's not a comeback quite yet, but they're playing better baseball. It's been fun to watch. Until next week, my name is Trey Yannity for Marty Leap. This has been an episode of Rum Buncher Radio. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go Bucks! You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.